Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. My guest today is Lindsay Bryan Podvin, and I am so excited to dive into this very timely conversation with Lindsay, who is the first financial therapist in Michigan and also the founder of Mind Money Balance. So Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so thrilled to have you here for a lot of different reasons, but I really know that our listeners are really in need of understanding what it's like to have that emotional balance when it comes to finances, especially in these new uncertain times. We were talking briefly off audio for a moment when we were recording about people really having this extra anxiety right now and trying to find a new normal. So let's just start right there and then we'll circle back to your origin story. But I know that that's top of mind for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So where should we start? Because it's a big, broad topic. It's a big, broad topic. And I would say that people's relationship with money has so many varied layers. But now when you add anxiety and fear because of uncertainty, it's almost putting it on steroids. So how do you calm those nerves? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So yes, we all have a different relationship with money and anxiety is certainly one of the strongest feelings that I see come up for people when it comes to their relationship with money. And when you add in, we don't know what's happening, that anxiety peaks because we know what tends to help with anxiety is certainty and planning, right? So when we're anxious, a lot of us, not all of us, we tend to over plan and over consume to try and quiet our anxiety, thinking that if we have more information, that then things will be better. And so right now, that anxiety, that overconsumption probably looks like an overconsumption of news, of trying to plan out your day, of if you have school-age children at home, try to frantically plan out what they're doing morning, afternoon, and evening. And when it comes to our money, of course, that anxiety is going to be peaked because depending on a person's, the way they're bringing in income, that might be uncertain. Um, So what I like to do is go, okay, what can you control in terms of your finances right now? And how can we really drill down on that? So first and foremost is really getting comfortable with what money is coming in and what money is going out, particularly if the money coming in is going to be uncertain, we can control what we're spending on. So taking a look at those expenses that might be flexible, right? So maybe some subscription services, maybe negotiating your cable or internet services, calling your car insurer and say, hey, I'm not driving anymore. How can we work with a plan to kind of dial that back? And as business owners, what plans can we downgrade or what services are we not using as much anymore? So getting rid of the things that aren't serving us right now, and that's not a forever thing, it's a for now thing. Because my philosophy is not about restriction and shame which there's a lot of in the personal finance space. So I want to make sure that I'm really clear that this is a for now. For now, while we're in this uncertain time, cutting back on the things we, we do not need to be spending money on, 
And then once you have a good idea of what's coming in and what going out, a lot of people are also feeling called to help. So spending money locally, right? So spending money on takeout can be a great idea. Buying books from your local bookstore and having them ship them to you. Those types of things can be really helpful. We know for every dollar we spend in our community, 78 cents stays in our community. So as tempted as you are to Amazon Prime something, see if there is a community store or resource that is selling that product or that service and see if you can spend your money there. Oh, that's awesome, Lindsay. Wow, you just packed in so much amazing wisdom. I want to unpack it a little bit because there was a lot there. So going right back to the beginning part where understanding the difference of what you can control and what is not in our control right now, I love the fact that you prefaced this learning with for right now, because I think that that helps pacify some of the anxiety and we can all just like this too shall pass, right? Like whatever we have to do to get that solid foundation of this is just the tide right now and there will be a swing back to normal, Mm -hmm. you know, there will be. And so I really like that aspect such a practical tip of really going through your spreadsheet, line item by line item. Do I need this? Have I even used it? In fact, I wrote a blog this week that's coming out Thursday, which is all about, is it necessary? Because, right, we just entered spring. And so we're going to have spring cleaning on the brain in such a big way. We can do that same mindset and just overlay it on our budget. So I really love that. There's probably a lot of things that we know in our heart, like, I don't really need that. Do I really need that? Like, it's such a great opportunity, I think, to just approach it in a way not of loss, but in a way of just like, how do I just tighten things up? Like maybe make a game of it. Are you a fan of, of gamifying when it comes totally, to Totally. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of gamifying things. I gamify things in my own head just to get some stuff done. Like I'll set, I'm like a kid, right? Like I'll set timers on things. I'm like, can I get it done in this time? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. I love it. That's amazing. Cool. So how did you get interested? I know you started your career in mental health, but how did it circle into financial therapy? Yeah, as you mentioned, my background is in clinical social work. So I've been practicing as a mental health clinician for, it would be a decade in 2011, or I'm sorry, 2011 was when I started. So coming up on a decade right now, and I had specialized in depression and anxiety, and no surprise money issues would come up. And in my personal life, I had graduated college right into the Great Recession. So money was very much on my mind. So I'd kind of just taken an interest in personal finances. And I felt like we were missing something in both worlds. In the mental health space, we hadn't quite figured out how to talk about money in a holistic way. And the same thing in the personal finance space, we hadn't quite figured out how to tap into the emotional and psychological side. So I felt like, you know, I'm uniquely positioned as a mental health therapist to be able to talk to people about money in a way that isn't just as much as I love my spreadsheet, isn't just about the (laughs) spreadsheet. And so I sought out additional training that would kind of cross train me So I got certified in financial social work, which helps with the financial literacy side of things and also the psychological side of money and helped to kind of meld that with my expertise in anxiety and depression work. So that's kind of how it all came to be. And I've been practicing as a financial therapist since May of 2018 and things have just taken off. I mean, to me, that says this work is so needed 
to talk about money in a way that isn't just about the budget and isn't just about how it feels, just kind of living in the middle of those two worlds. It's so needed. And I'm a huge fan of integration on all levels. I just think that when we integrate and we dissolve polarity, there it's so much more sustainable. And I really feel that in your work, not only how you came about this bridging anxiety and depression and mental health with finances in your approach, but I also read that you said that you're less woo than Barry Tesler and more woo than Susie Orman. And to me, that's like the perfect love child. So I absolutely adore that you said that. I got immediate visuals. I actually really appreciate both of these leading ladies. However, I just really felt your sense of a balanced approach when I read that. And so kudos to you, like you've really carved a niche. And I do feel to your point that this is so needed. And for our listeners, because I know many of the women that are listening are holistic healers, they tend to be in the wellness space and they really go with the flow and that feminine energy. And a lot of times that does not include metrics, frameworks, and having a handle on the budget. So my question to you is, if they didn't really have a handle on that before, what's your best advice for them now? Because they really may feel like, holy crap, I'm in quicksand. This is totally new territory for me. What kind of tips do you have for them? Yeah, that is a great point. And thank you for pointing out the Barry Tesler, Susie Orman. I also enjoy both of them and I live in between them. So I'm glad that that was able to kind of point out what I do. So I also work with a lot of people who are more intuitive, more spiritual, more guided by that. And I think it's beautiful to be in that healing and helping space. And you won't be a healer or or a helper for very long in business if you don't have a sense of your money. And to me, it is a pillar. We have to get over this idea that money is somehow gross or bad or greedy or dirty, right? Like we as women have been sold that idea from a very young age. We've been told it's not polite to talk about money. We've been told we shouldn't ask for more, right? Whether it's explicit or implicit, We have been served those messages and we have to really stand in our strength as women and go, we can harness our feminine energy and also charge for our services because we are not all volunteers. We tend to volunteer more than others, right? And we tend to give back to our community more, but we have to build sustainable businesses. So for helpers and healers, I always love to say that like, yes, help and heal, but you also have to charge for your services and not just pick a number out of a hat. You have to know why you're charging it. And I think there's two parts to this charging formula to help people get a good foundation for their business. One part is the value that you're providing. What number can you put on that? But also you have to be asking yourself, how much do I need to not just survive, not just pay my rent or my mortgage and feed myself and my family, but how much do I need to thrive? How much do I need so I can also pay somebody to help me, right? How much do I have to pay my therapist and my coach, right? So that I can continue to build on my business. So thinking about those numbers can sometimes be helpful of like, what do I need? And then it's just a simple reverse engineer, right? So if you need $120,000, then you know you need 10 grand a month. And I picked a nice round number so I could quickly do math because I also want to say to women, so many women say, well, I'm just not good at math. Well, 
newsflash, neither am I, failed college algebra. Okay, so it's all math that can be done easily and relatively painlessly. And the beautiful thing about the internet is there's online calculators so you can plug your monthly numbers in and figure out what you need. So that's what I would say to these women who are in that space is figure out what you need to charge in terms of value and also what you need to charge in terms of thriving and developing your brilliance. Yeah, I love that. You're speaking my language. This is absolutely content that's right up my alley. I'm a huge advocate of obviously charging by value, not dollar per hour, 100%. And also that you can have both. You can be a helper and a healer, but you also need to flip it so it can be sustainable and that you can keep doing what you're doing and it's long-term. I love the differentiation that you had between surviving and thriving. And my question back to you on that, because I love that you actually said gross and greedy because literally just yesterday I had a session with one of my clients and we were talking about pricing and her packaging and those were two adjectives that she used. I am not kidding you. And I was like, okay, so there's some money blocks some mindset stuff that we need to work on because you've said gross about three times and you said greedy may be equally the same. And she was like, really? I have? I'm like, yeah, I have. So my question to you, when you talk about money in a way that doesn't make people feel gross or greedy, how do you help them release unwanted thought patterns in order for them to even go over that hurdle so they can have a concept of thriving over surviving? I love that question. And I ask people to go back in time. So we know neurodevelopmentally, we are soaking up information between the ages of zero and seven and zero and eight. So we're learning not just, you know, how to say please and thank you, but we're also learning what money means. And we learn that from our immediate environment. So what our parent or our caregivers were telling us, what our teachers were telling us, what we were learning in our religion and in our communities and in our neighborhood, we were absorbing all of that information. So I always encourage people to go back and go, what were some of those things that you were soaking up as a kid? Did you hear your parents fight about money all the time? And then you went, oh, if I talk about money, then I'll get into a fight. Okay, good. Now we have some where to go. Were you told things that like, oh, our neighbor who has money is like a rich fill in the blank, (laughs) right? So thinking back to where you learn those messages and then checking in with yourself and going, how true is it that me putting out this offer is out of greed? How true is it that me serving my people in this way is gross? And if it's not true, if you're not being greedy or gross, then it's also not greedy or gross to charge for those things. So really looking at it logically can sometimes be helpful because so much of this is subconscious that if we can go, okay, what did I learn about it as a kid and how true is it now? That can sometimes help us to get out of those patterns. That's amazing. Love that. Love that a lot. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Business Thrive, a step-by-step business building online course. Thrive Business Thrive takes you from a concept to paying clients in just 16 weeks. 
If you're tired of doing it alone and trying to piece together your business by watching one YouTube tutorial after another and following multiple experts, it's time to plug into a tried and true plan. Thrive Business Thrive focuses on results, increasing your impact, and moreover, establishing the foundation needed for a thriving business. To learn more about Thrive Business Thrive, your blueprint to create a flourishing business, visit caseyrossi.com slash thrive. That's caseyrossi.com slash thrive. So I know that you are a fan of customized plans for people, and I wanted you to just share why having a personalized approach is actually more sustainable than cookie cutter frameworks. Oh, I love that because we are not cookie cutter individuals and I work with couples, right? So I'm dealing with two people who've come from entirely different backgrounds. And if I say to them, here's the one-stop shop for you to get your money in order, there's just no possible way. That is so unfair of me to say that this one way is going to absolutely work for you. And it's interesting, Casey, because I think people want that. They're like, oh, just tell me what to do. But my job is to empower them to say, you know what to do. There are three basic guidelines for money. And once you have those down, you have to make it work for a way that aligns with your values and your relationship or your values in your business, right? So the three basic building blocks are spend less than you earn, right? Don't overspend. Make sure you have some sort of cushion for a rainy day or an emergency and make sure that you are investing and saving for your future. The rest of it, you can kind of play around with. Do you want to spend on a new car or a used car? Your choice, as long as you know your numbers. Do you want to spend money on a three-month getaway or would you rather just, you know, do a long weekend? Also your choice. I can't tell you how to spend your money. I don't like those super prescriptive, you must have zero debt or you can only spend $2 per meal per day. Those types of things start to shame and restrict us. And I think that's where money gets a lot of its negative energy from versus saying, how can I use my money to expand and to thrive? I and love those <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And have fun. I love those three tips. Even if people just jotted them down on a post-it note and realized that it can be as simple as that. It does not have to be overwhelming. You don't have to go and be like a stock market wizard, right? right. In order to have a handle on your finances. So thank you for that. So I see that you're an author of The Financial Anxiety Solution. First off, congratulations. I think that's awesome. I love to lift up female authors, and I think it really positions you as an expert in your field. Do you agree that that book kind of was a launching pad for your career? Thank you. It's really interesting to see how it will shake out because for anybody who has written or published a book, you know that you write a book long before it ever makes it out into the world. And so it got published on February 18th of 2020, right before everything in our current situation. So I couldn't have envisioned that this would have lined up with what is going on in our world today. So I think 
financial anxiety, something we all experience. The book to me aligns with my values. And to me, in terms of did it make me an expert? I hope so. And really what has been so interesting to me, Casey, is that it actually helped me tackle my own imposter syndrome. So by that, when I was writing the book, I was really like, wow, I do know my stuff. I do know what I'm talking about. Yes, I am uniquely poised to talk about this. So more than others kind of experiencing me as an expert, it actually helped me with my own self-worth and esteem to say, I do know what I'm talking about. I love that. Thank you for that distinction. And, you know, I think that that's so valuable for people to hear. And I just love that. I think it's a real honest kind of like reflection on what that process was for you. And it also gives other people that are interested in penning a book inspiration that it's like, this could be a cathartic process for you. Like you're going to get validation through this. And I'm sure like you had to dig deep to expose your soul and get it all out there, right? Like it's a journey, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I think I just was thinking like, it feels like a vehicle to continue to launch your message to more people on a global scale. That's kind of where I was thinking of. So I love that. I think the universe had your back with the timing because it's so needed right now. I, for one, can't wait to get my hands on a copy. I'm going to put the link in the show notes so the listeners can as well, because we all need this. We need something. We need a plan. I like the fact that you have this very warm and grounded, sincere energy about you, but also very practical tips that don't feel overwhelming. It's a really beautiful synergy. I really just want to let you know that. Well, thank you. That means so much. You know, back to your your question about like the expert positioning thing. It's so interesting how you are always trying to figure out, is my message being received? Am Am I communicating it in the way that I'm imagining it in my head? So just you saying that, Casey, was so validating for me that I am getting my message out in the way that I'm it is in my head. Cause you know, sometimes what's going on in our minds doesn't quite come out the way we're hoping it, you know, when we speak it into existence. So it's really helpful to hear that. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So in your entrepreneurial journey, what's one thing that you wish you knew that would have made things a little bit smoother along the way? Uh, I think, you know, it's more about what I wish that I'd done, but I guess it does come back to a mindset thing, right? I recently brought on a remote assistant or remote associate, not a virtual assistant. And, you know, everybody in the entrepreneurial space had been telling me that forever, like get yourself some help. You can't do it all alone. And, you know, like a lot of us, I was determined to just keep doing it, right? Because I can do it. I have been doing it. It's been working. And then to have some of those tasks offloaded and realize how much more clarity I have in my mind to really work in my zone of genius. It was like, oh, when somebody who has gone through it before you says, hey, you should probably try X, Y, and Z, listen to them (laughs) and don't wait as long as I did. So I just did that one month ago and I'm so thankful that I did. And I'm trying to not beat myself up for not having taken action sooner, but I certainly, if I could rewind time, I would definitely have gotten them onboarded sooner than I did. That's amazing. And going back to when you were talking about reevaluating necessities when you're looking through your budget, did you have a feeling with the current climate of, should I go back to DIYing? 
Is this a line item that I can validate during these times? Oh, that is a great question. It never even crossed my mind to cancel them out because of how much more valuable value they bring to me and how much more time I have. If I eliminated them and their expense right now, I would be drowning. So that also is about like when you look at those line items, you also have to assess whether or not you're using them. So I got rid of a couple of subscription services that I thought I was using. And when I looked at them, I'm like, oh, I'm only using them once or twice a month. They're not really giving me that value. But for this investment, that's much higher. I'm not touching it because it's so much more helpful. That's awesome. I know that people are thinking about that, especially when you start seeing support services that you used to do yourself. And I think that it's really important to look at the future horizon and realize, do you want to be working on your business or in your business? And this is temporary. And if we stop showing up, stop being visible and stop staying in our zone of genius, it goes back to the question of, is this going to be sustainable are you going to hit your financial goals? And when you really kind of get grounded in that, I think you can come up with some clear answers versus like panic and fear-based answers. Yes, yes. And rarely is a good decision made based out of panic and fear. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. I loved this. It was the perfect time. I cannot wait to get your book. And if you were going to leave our listeners with a bright light wisdom nugget to close off, what would it be? It would be to check in with yourself that you almost always know what's right in your gut and in your heart. I knew I wanted to do this work for a very long time and my head, my thoughts got in the way of me doing it. And so listen to what's in your gut because she's almost always right. I love that. How can people get a hold of you, Lindsay? Yeah, I'm all over the place at Mind Money Balance. So I'm super active on Instagram and that is also my website, mindmoneybalance.com. You can find links to my podcast that was recently launched. And I always love to share with anybody else who's heard me on another podcast. If you go to mindmoneybalance.com slash podcast, if you buy my book and send me proof of purchase, I will send you a free values-based video training. So that's a gift for all podcast listeners who hear me on other places. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That's very generous of you. I love that idea. That sounds amazing. You are delightful. I just wish you all the success in the world. I'm so glad that you've been a guest on the show today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been so fun. It has been. Take good care. All right. You too, Casey. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.